0: I want us to turn to the book of Exodus as we begin our sharing of the word today, chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Starting with verse 18. I'm just going to read one verse here and then I'm going to move on to another verse. So you might just want to listen to hear what I have to say. Starting actually... Verse 17, then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. And then we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Beginning with verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. The title of the message this morning is simply Pursue Goodness. Pursue Goodness. Now, a couple of weeks ago, As I sought the Lord about what to share this Sunday morning, the word goodness came to me. And I've never preached this topic on this subject before. And frankly, I thought that the content would be too elementary and too basic for such a mature congregation. I kind of doubt it. I began to study what scripture says about goodness. Goodness. But it was when I heard Pastor Carter's message last week, I realized that goodness had a significant role to play in what God was calling his church to be and to do in this year. Now, I came from a a tradition, a faith tradition that values, values revival and spiritual awakening. My antennas go sky high when I hear about revival and what what it means and how to attain it. And so I was riveted by his message last week. And I want to encourage each of you to listen again to what I believe is a very prophetic message that was preached. Hear it again. What an inspiring word to hear how God is opening a great door of opportunity to this congregation, to this house, for spiritual awakening across the country. But it was also a challenging word because it not just spoke to this congregation, it spoke to, I believe, everyone who was listening. For to whom much is given and much will be given to the church in this year, I believe. And I believe God is going to cause his goodness to pass over this church and over our churches and over the body of Christ as never before in this year. But to whom much is given, much is required. And Pastor Carter began talking about those requirements by first asking some very pointed questions of you. I took them down. I listened. What will people see when they come into this church? Will people see anything worthwhile in our lives that will cause them to follow our example? And will people see passion and faith in our prayers, which will encourage them to be people of prayer as well? What a challenge. Good questions to begin a new year. Good place to start if we want to think about making a new year's resolution. So in this message this morning, I feel that my purpose today is to strengthen your hands in this, your calling, in this, our calling, and to encourage you to run the race that indeed has been set before you. Now he he challenged you with some specific biblical values and biblical principles, which if you adhere to, if we hold to those, it will ensure that we do not fall short of the purposes that God has for us in this new year. And And so therefore I felt very confirmed that this word, the goodness of God, the goodness of God's people, was very much a part of, of who you are and what you're called to be. As someone who is not from this assembly, but who has been blessed and encouraged by the ministry for many years that flows from this church, I would like to say to you as your brother, yes, the testimony of Christ has been confirmed in you. And what the Apostle Paul said about the church of Rome would certainly, certainly apply to a church that's been around for 30 years in the heart of New York City. Paul said in Romans 15, 14, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced, I am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Hear that? Filled with all knowledge and able also to admonish one another. And so there's a goodness that God requires. And there's a goodness that God is cultivating in our hearts. And there's a goodness that God wants to to proclaim. To cause, to radiate from our lives. And there's a goodness which you will need to tenaciously uphold and continue to cultivate as you become as you your church becomes a greater influence for god in this country and in other countries i'm going to specifically use words words that were said in the message last week to stir up and to encourage you now the word good or goodness is used in so many ways But this morning we are going to look at its meaning from a kingdom perspective. How the word is applied to God himself and what it means. And how it's applied to his people. And how it's applied to the work of his kingdom. Goodness is not just a light word that is used in scripture. It carries a heavy meaning and responsibility that we're called to uphold so let's begin our discussion about goodness by looking at the goodness of God and turning back to Exodus chapter 33. As we began, I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite. There was this, such an intimate relationship that Moses had with God. Such a, a one-on-one relationship that I, I desire to have for myself and I'm sure you do as well. And it came at One of those moments where there was this divine encounter that Moses had with God that he dared to ask the question that most of us would not even think. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. He said, please show me your glory. And then God said, I will make all my, listen, goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will give you, I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. You see, Moses asked God, show me your glory. And God answered Moses, I will show you my goodness. (laughs) I want to see your glory, God. God says, okay, I'll show you my goodness. And God's goodness is his glory. His grace, his compassion, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness, they are all reflections of his glory. Moses and all of Israel had seen God's glory and the mighty power that he exercised in their deliverance from bondage in Egypt. But God wanted to emphasize to Moses and to all the people another aspect of his glory which is seen only in his goodness. God's goodness is the moral excellence of his divine nature. The moral excellence of his character. There is no evil in God. He has no dark side. There's not a thread of moral or ethical deficiency in him. God is good, not because he chooses to be good. He doesn't have to wake up and say, well, let me think about it. I'll be good today. But goodness is the perpetual and continual expression of his being. And he cannot do anything He cannot be anything other than good. (laughs) He cannot be anything other than good. That's all he can be. His goodness is a sum of all of those qualities and attributes. Which defines his character. And which distinguishes him from all other gods and beings and anything else. That exists. There is. None like God. None. None is more merciful and compassionate. None is more benevolent and giving. None is more just and true. None is more loving and kind. None is more forgiving and willing to pardon sin. No, not one. Yet these are the qualities that God said to Moses, I will show you my glory. The psalmist declares in Psalms 100 verse 4 through 5, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. I will give thanks to him. Bless his name because the Lord is good. His love and kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. We sing about God's goodness. We worship God because of His goodness. God wants us to live in His goodness. God's goodness is what inspires the passion for our prayer life. If you need to get passion for prayer, just think about how good God is. It is what inspires passion for prayer. and it is what inspires faith to believe that if God did this, he can do that as well. And so that we have faith because of his goodness. It's no little thing. God said to the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 23 verse through 24. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise man boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. Hear the the, the appeal of God to us. There's something more important than your wisdom and your power, your position and your status. You need to know me. To know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfading love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So the focus of our lives, God's bringing attention that the focus of our lives should be on those things which matter most to God. Knowing and majoring in the goodness of God, the goodness of God is also must be in our lives is more important to the Lord than titles and positions and ranks and material possessions and abilities and talents. And I would also say this morning, it is the, it is the measure of God's goodness displayed in our lives which will determine to what extent God can use us for the work of his kingdom. Let me say that again. It is a measure of God's goodness which is displayed in our lives which will determine to what extent God can use us for the work of his kingdom. Not our talent, not our ability, but his love, his grace, his mercy, his long-suffering will determine to what extent that is his glory. The greatest expression of God's goodness is found in his son, Jesus Christ. One theologian said that Jesus is the very incarnation of the Father's goodness. Can you you imagine that? I love those words. That Jesus is the very incarnation of the Father's goodness. Scripture declares that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we can also say goodness became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good (laughs) and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with them. You know, it's very interesting. Despite the disagreements that all the religion has had with Jesus, they could find no evil in him. No evil. No one could dispute the fact that Jesus was a good man. Every major religion in the world today, even today, acknowledges, every major religion and all the writings acknowledges that Jesus was a good man. There's something about the the moral excellence of goodness that communicates the nature of God that presents the glory when his goodness is on display. His whole ministry was about doing good, healing the brokenhearted, releasing people from darkness, comforting those who grieved, giving hope to the hopeless and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Yes, Jesus is good. And that's probably why the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him that question. That led to a very serious debate. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 16. A very interesting lesson about goodness, about being good. And how it comes about. What it means to be good. Very powerful teaching on goodness. It says one day a rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him a question. Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And then it goes on. Now before I start, I I, I want to say many commentaries say a lot of different things about this rich young ruler. Was he cocky? Was he proud? Was he just trying to strut his stuff or what? But no, I believe that this man was sincere in what he was asking. People want to be good. People want to be known as as being a good man or a good woman. We have good intentions, (laughs) too often bad actions. And this was the problem with this young man. When he was asking the question, he even prefaced his question with Good teacher. I mean, what's wrong with that? But all of a sudden, Jesus says, why do you call me good? I said, whoa. Well, I mean, what's, what's up with that? Jesus' response to his initial question was so unexpected. Why do you call me good? Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. Now, I want to highlight three important truths that Jesus teaches us about being good and about goodness. And remember what I'm saying, that for the call and the charge that God has given you for the, this year and all the things that God's going to do with the door that's opening for you, more than ever before, goodness and mercy needs to flow from your beings. God's goodness and God's mercy needs to be part of your spiritual DNA. Jesus was, when he said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus was not denying his own goodness, but Jesus was questioning and challenging this young man's understanding of where goodness comes from and how it comes about. And so number one, The thing, the truth that God wants to communicate in this passage is that there is no goodness in man. There is no goodness in man apart from God. We have to be absolutely convinced from Scripture that God alone is a source of goodness. And apart from God, people have no inherent goodness of their own. Now, the Apostle Paul reinforces this truth. By sharing a chapter from his own book of life. He said in Romans chapter 7 verse 18. You need to read that because I believe his testimony as a young believer is a testimony of many believers. The struggle that he he begins to narrate in Romans chapter 7. But he says in verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing is not. Romans 7 talks about a man who's in conflict with himself. A man who's trying to be good and holy by his own efforts, just like this rich young ruler. By his own efforts, he just figured that he was good because all the things that he said he was doing according to his own standards trying to be good and holy by his own efforts. But the struggle in Romans 7 is a man who's trying to be good, but he's being beaten back every time by the power of indwelling sin. And so in this state of conflict, we have to confess that as long as we try to be what God wants us to be, without his strength, without his life inside of us, that we're we're always in a constant state of wannabe. There's never any joy, no fellowship with God. There's no power to affect change. The lesson that we learn in point number one here is that if we take any calling, if we take any commandment of Christ to be something or to do something and we attempt to obey it in our own strength rather than by appropriating Christ, his life and power within us, we will surely fail. We will surely fail. The second truth that we find in the teaching of Jesus as he was talking to this rich young ruler is that every other form of goodness apart from God, every other form of goodness, or you can even say godliness or righteousness apart from God, devised by man leads to some measure of religious pride and arrogance. Now, one thing, see, see this rich young ruler, when Jesus said, well, do all the commandments. And he listed a number of commandments. And the rich young ruler claimed that he had kept all the law since his youth. Can you imagine that? I mean, he said it so proudly. Oh, I've done all of that. You've done all of that. You've kept all the commandments. (laughs) Oh, I've done all of that. What else can I do? There's this this sense that you are a self made Christian. That I've got my own list of, 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 of do's and don'ts. And if I line up to doing my list of do's and don'ts, you know, no one else can tell me that I'm a bad guy. He believed that eternal life is something that one earns or merits by the good works that he does. But you know, he already proved that he was a lawbreaker by telling a lie. (laughs) How many many of us grew up listening to someone say to us, just be a good boy now, be a good girl, and you'll go to heaven. Stop saying that to your children. (laughs) I, I know what we're trying to say. I know what we're trying to impart. But let's do it the way that really gives them substance to be good. Just as righteousness is not obtained by the keeping of the law, righteousness is not obtained by being good. Because before God there is none good. No, not one. And those who believe that that are often under the influence of a religious spirit of self-justification and self-righteousness a great, uh, highly respected church leader recently stated this. I thought it was profound. Spirituality, spirituality disconnected from the truth of God's word is a great problem in the church today. Let me say that again. Spirituality disconnected from the truth of God's word is a great problem in the church today. The country is full of self-proclaimed Christians who follow their own standards of good and evil, right and wrong. I can't believe what Christians do these days. And you say, why do you do it? It's not even in the Bible. (laughs) And there's a spirituality. They'll justify it using some verse of scripture, misapplying it. And so we see it not just in the world, we're seeing it in the church. And these kind of bizarre dichotomies exist everywhere. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once stated, the chief danger that confronts the coming century, listen to what he says, William Booth, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. Spirituality disconnected from the truth of God's word. Now, the third thing. That Jesus teaches is that goodness requires. When the, this rich young really and, and the Lord didn't slam dunk this guy, the Lord didn't just pounce on him because He said I didn't come to the world come to the world to condemn you. I, I came to save you. And he's, and the Bible says in the Book of Mark this passage, and and, and through this, the course of this dialogue, God the Lord Jesus was showing incredible a degree of mercy and patience, and He says, "Let me tell you what you can do." give up all that you have, sell it, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. If you wish to be perfect, that is, if you wish to have the spiritual maturity that that reflects godly character, moral and ethical goodness, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. He was offering a divine exchange I'll really give you what you want. Here's how to attain it. But the Bible says, but when the young man heard this, he left grieving and distressed for he owned much property and had many treasures, many possessions. You know what the Bible says? No man can serve two masters. And if we really want the goodness of God to be in our lives, there cannot be any other thing in our lives that competes with who his lordship is who he is in our life. You you cannot have anything in your life if you truly want the goodness of God. And that is what we will need as a church. That is what we will need to possess the land that is lying before us. We will need to be people good in our passion and our love for God. Allowing nothing to compete with him. Because goodness is not something that God gives us apart from himself. Hear me now. God doesn't just give us goodness apart from himself. God says, if you want goodness, you have to have me. (laughs) That's what God says. I, I don't just loan you goodness. If you want goodness, you have to have me. And that's why in Peter it says that we become partakers of his divine nature. We have to have him. in faith, we must embrace Christ's goodness. We must appropriate it as our very own and, and then allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to assimilate God's goodness into every aspect and every fiber of our being, how we think and how we behave and how we interact with, with other people. I want the goodness of God to completely permeate everything, who I am and what I am. Hallelujah. It is only by God's goodness that allows us to live in unity, in faith, in purity, in forgiveness, and in selflessness. All of those wonderful qualities that we heard in the sermon last Sunday. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. John exhorts believers, because as he is, so also are we in his, in this world. Being a Christian means that we are Christ-like. In the eyes of the world, Christians should be seen as people who emulate and reflect the character of Christ. There are people filled, abounding, and overflowing in the goodness of Christ. I'm going to close in a minute here with this one word about the imperative or the necessity. Of goodness and the times that we're living in. In other words, it's not an option that we can choose one day. Oh, you know what? I I think I'll just, just be myself. I won't be good. No, no, that, that, that is not an option. That is not an option. I believe that we're living in a very critical time in church history. I believe for 2,000 years, the church has been living in the parable of the wheat and the tares. The wheat represents the children of the kingdom, and the tares represent the children of the evil one. Both have been growing together. The children of the kingdom and the children of the evil one. We've been coexisting in the same society, but moving in opposite directions. But we've been growing and becoming fully ripe. There's a goodness that God is perfecting, cultivating in our life. But there's an evil that's growing, evil becoming more evil. So how then should we live in such a time? When society calls right wrong and wrong right. Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 5:16, reading from the Amplified Bible, "Let your light" So shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, which is in heaven. What do we do in times like this? Let your goodness shine. Let God's goodness in us shine. So the challenge is not to draw back in a hostile environment from your witness as a Christ follower. I believe that the presence or the absence of goodness and lies will distinguish true believers from unbelievers. That's what will distinguish it. Not the gifting, not the talent, not the ability, but the the virtues, the moral excellence, the character of God that gives him glory will distinguish those who are true Followers and those who are unbelievers. Not how eloquent you speak, not how good you sing, but to what degree have you allowed the goodness of God to permeate your being? In Romans chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? Do you always make excuses for not being good because they'll just use you? They'll just take advantage of you? When God says your goodness will bring conviction to repentance, to sinners, your goodness will bring repentance to sinners. So how does one practically model goodness in the days and the times that we're living in? The words of scripture are timeless. Luke 6 27 says, but I say to you who hear love your enemies, love them, love them. Do good to those who hate you. Hear me do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans 12 verse 20. But if your enemy, your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So many have the mistaken idea that good is just the absence of doing that which is evil. If I long as I don't evil, that means I'm good. No, that's not what the Bible says, that's not true. One is good, not just because he does no evil, but because he's actively working for what is good. That's a good person. He's not just sitting on the sideline, but he's actively working for that which is good. When good men do nothing, they are no longer good. (laughs) You hear that? When good men do nothing, when good women do nothing, they are no longer good. Uh, now, where do, I, where do I get that? James 4, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Okay, there it is. <laughs> it's not just evil, it's sin. And we have in this day and time a spiritual and moral obligation to be good and to do good. Goodness is not just an act of kindness or something that we do. Goodness is a state of mind and a state of our being. Goodness is a beatitude. Through Christ, we receive a goodness that is persistent and unrelenting in the face of adversity. When we're going through trials and temptations or evil influence, goodness is an unshakable virtue, firm and unwavering, no matter how difficult challenges we may face. In closing, let me just say, some years ago, one of my sons, who now lives in Washington, D.C., he accompanied me on a missions trip that we took. It was a difficult assignment. We walked for a number of miles into the bush. And hot, sweaty, tired, we walked for a long time. And we got to a place where to the village that we were there to call to minister and to serve. And, and we just was, we were just completely wiped out. And they put us into a little place and there was no air conditioning. We were sweating. We were hungry. We were tired. And, We pull out of our bags the food that we were going to eat before we were to minister. And one of the members of the team, as we were all preparing our food, each one of us preparing our own food, one of the members of the team, who was a pastor, said, I'm too tired to fix my food. I'm too tired to fix my food. Well, to say the least, I was very frustrated with this lack of wherewithal. Gird up your loins, man. We're all tired. And I purpose I was a team leader. I purposed in my mind. Let him starve. But my son. Put his plate down. Reached over, got another plate, fixed it well, and gave it to this pastor. I looked at him. And he said, Dad, he has to eat. (laughs) Don't despise the goodness of God. And because this trip had such a profound impact on his pastor's life, he went home and stirred up his congregations, and they became a mission-sending church because of the goodness that was shown in his life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, in closing, we ask the question of ourselves, what will people see when they come into this house? When they come into this church. I will say this morning. Confident. That we will see a people full of the goodness of God. And not falling short in their testimony. Of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I feel I want to pray. Let me just. If the, the, the singer or the, the piano player could come. Because a great door. As was spoken last week. Has opened to you. A great door I'm so excited I'm so excited for this great door get the tape listen to it again but to whom much is given much is required as we begin a new year I, I want to as your brother I want to because my prayer this year God I want to be a good husband I just won't, don't want to be a provider. I want my wife to see that I'm good. I want my grandchildren, all nine of them, to see that I'm a good grandfather. I want, I, and, I, and I want that. I, I, and I believe you want that as well. I want people on your, on your job to see you not just as a, a worker, but to see you as a good man and a good woman, irregardless of what they're like. They should see the goodness of God in your lives. The goodness of God. Your wife, your, your your wife, wives, your husbands need to see not just one who's a good cook, but a good woman. Let that be something that you might focus on in this year. That goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, all the days of my life. I want you to bow your heads. And as I was Preparing this message, I felt the Lord says, I'm going to heal and mend relationships this morning. Relationships that are hurt. Relationships where there are wounds and scar tissue that has been there for years. You're hanging in there, but it's not good. Not by God's standards. It's not good. And God wants his goodness to come upon you. Just like he said earlier, as I spoke, Moses asked, show me your glory And God said, I will show my goodness. I will cause my goodness to pass over you. And there are some this morning who need the goodness of God to pass over your relationships, to break whatever the stronghold, the strife, whatever that hinders the flow of the goodness of God in your lives and in your relationship. If that's you, just stand on your feet. Just stand right now. I felt God says, I'm going to do something this morning. I'm going to heal relationships in families. Go ahead and play, piano player. Now, I want you to come on down right now. Come on down. I've already prayed. As I was preparing the message, I was convicted by the words of God, and I realized that I don't measure up. I cried out, God, I want your goodness. I want the divine nature of the goodness of God. That's the only way people will see his glory. That will be the only way. His glory will not be revealed in any other way but seeing his goodness. Not by your talent, not by your ability, not how many scriptures you quote, but it's by his love, his kindness, his patience, his forbearance, his forgiveness, his selflessness. I want the goodness of God. Thank you for your patience this morning. I know it's been a little long. But God is working in the church. God is going to bring about a new thing. You're going to cross over to the other side. You're going to possess things that you did not imagine was possible. But he's going to do it through a people that have been changed. People who've gone into a deeper level of the very character of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in the name. Just raise up your hands right now. You know, I want you to know right now, it's not by might, your might, it's not by your power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. God is going to break chains. God is going to release you from bondages. God is going to allow you to forgive. He's going to remove the pain that you carry. And he's going to give you forgiveness. You'll be able to say, I can release it. It's done. It's over. God is good. He's good. And he wants his goodness to abide in you. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, who is good. The life that he gave for us. We open ourselves to him. Lord, cause the spirit of Christ to come into every man. And every woman this morning right now. Break every chain. Open up every prison door. Remove every bondage. And I pray, let a flood from heaven wash and cleanse And bring about what they could not do in themselves. God, you are good. And we want to be a people that only know your goodness, but live in your goodness. We pray that every chain would be broken right now. In the name of Jesus. We call those things that are not as though they are. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak life over dead relationships right now. Speak life to marriages right now. Life, just say it right now. Life to my marriage. Life. Healing to broken relationships right now in the name of Jesus. We cancel the debts of sin and offenses and hurts and pain in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus pays for that debt in Jesus' name. Now, in your own way, say, Lord, I receive your goodness into my life. Just it. I receive it right now. Think about the relationship right now that needs a dose of God's goodness. Say, Lord, I receive the goodness that that relationship needs right now. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you. Cause your word to be confirmed over the lives of your people in the name of Jesus confirm it i pray that even today that there would be miracles in relationships divine miracles new abilities will happen will will manifest in their lives right now yes these are a good people we worship you and we thank you in jesus name let's give god a big hand